Why isn't it all right for me to dance? Because I'm free. I'm free. I have been delivered. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. I hope you took your Geritol this morning. Amen. Amen. I feel something moving in this house today. Must be what it was on the day of Pentecost. When suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And the wonderful thing is it filled all of them, Brother Matthew. That's what I prayed last night. God, I don't, I, want you, I don't want you just to touch a few over on this section and a few here and a few there and a few there. I pray that we don't have any mockers or scorners here because they were there too. But I hope we have some participants. That when God decides to do something great, I want in on it. When God decides to do something mighty, I want to be a part of it. I want him to move in my life. I want him to move in my heart. You see, the truth is, the devil has hijacked a lot of stuff that started with God. And he's prostituted it and made it appear as though it's only supposed to be done out there. It's interesting that when you read the, 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 the New Testament scholars, so-called scholars, that all of them admit that the first century church was the book of Acts church. It was apostolic. It was powerful. It wasn't until the second century that somebody came along and said, you know what, we don't need that in the church anymore. And they started dumbing church down. I'm so glad that somewhere back there somebody found out you don't have to dumb God down. I am actually delighting in Him when I dance before Him. I better preach before I can't preach. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse number 4 is where we will begin. I'm going to go also to John chapter 7. But John chapter 4 is our beginning. And the scripture says in this chapter that he, Jesus and his disciples had departed Judea. And we're on their way to Galilee. But verse 4 said, And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, 
which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, oh, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Significant difference than Jacob's well. Because Jacob's well was just a hundred foot hole that water percolated into from the earth from time to time. And they came to quench their thirst and get their supply for the day for their household needs. But Jesus said, I want to give you a well of living water. And that woman understood what that word meant. It meant a flowing well. Not something that just percolates every now and then and you get a little bit to go on. But he said, I want to give you a well. I'm going to give you a well that is living. It's an artesian well. It springs up. It's flowing. It's abundant. Amen. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself, his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water if you drink of this water you shall thirst again you thirst again but whosoever say whosoever say he's talking to me whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him He's not going to force it on you, but he is going to offer it to you. Some of you need to let that sink in because God's not going to snatch you up by the hair of your head and do something against your will. But if you're hungry for it, if you're thirsty for it, if you're looking for it, if you're believing for it, if you're praying for it, he said, I'm not going to disappoint you. I am going to let a well spring up within you. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. It's going to come today. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman saith unto him, Sir, 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 Give me this water. (laughs) Amen. Give me this water. That I thirst not and neither come hither to draw. If you skip on down a few verses, Jesus talked to her about some things and then the disciples returned. And the scripture said in verse 28, Then the woman left her water pot 
and went her way into the city, saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Praise God. I hope the Lord will help me this morning. I want to talk to you about leaving the limited for the unlimited. Amen. Moving away from the limited. Would you help me today? Because it's not just for those that don't have the Holy Ghost. There are some of you that are living in a limited sphere you're living, you're living in this restricted arena of what you can do. And God wants to invite you into His arena where there is unlimited power. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise? Hallelujah. Ah, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. God bless you. You can be seated. We are here today to celebrate Pentecost, the birthday of the church. And I know that the best way for us to celebrate it is not to talk about what happened 2,000 years ago, but the best way to celebrate it is to relive it. Amen. To have it come again. That wind from elsewhere that would blow into this place and fill every one of us to experience its power and to enjoy its prophetic promises. For when the Spirit was poured out on that day of Pentecost, it was the culmination of prophetic promises and prophecies that had been stored up in a reservoir for ages. And on that day, it could hold no more. And the dam broke and it gushed out and into that room and it filled everyone that was in that room with power and endowment from on high. I do not come today to explain anything to you. I come to offer you an experience. Because an argument is never going to be sufficient to talk down a man who's had an experience. Amen. Do we have anybody here this morning that's experienced the power of the Holy Ghost? Ah, yes. Yeah, tell me that God doesn't heal, but I see too many healed people in the building this morning. Tell me that God doesn't deliver, but I see too many delivered people this morning. And the witness of your testimony is more powerful than any argument against it. Amen. The Spirit doesn't offer you a handshake, but a soul awakening. Why embrace Calvary and the tomb and the resurrection and then reject the fulfilled purpose of all of that, which was Pentecost? Pentecost Sunday does not represent the birth of a denomination. It signifies the continuation of Christ's work in the world, not through His earthly body, but through His spiritual body, which is the church. And on that day, some 2,000 years ago, 
the 50th day after Passover, God poured out His Spirit in a mighty way of those who were awaiting its coming, those who were seeking and looking for it. And on that day, a fire was ignited that I have news for you. No matter what denominations may say, I come to declare to you that that fire is still burning this Sunday morning. And I feel that fire burning in this place even now. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise? Contrary to what many people think, Pentecost is certainly not the apex of our faith, nor is it the final goal of my spiritual pilgrimage. Neither is it a spare tire or an added blessing. It is not a fringe benefit, and it is not only for the fanatics and the unbalanced. It is not a religious luxury, but an essential necessity for all people. It is the gateway through which all of the promises of God can be experienced in my life on a daily basis. It is the open door to everything that I desire in my life from God. How sad that many will try to explain it away. And to explain it away, they have to skip the first century and go to the second century for the explanation Because when you go back to the first century, you go back to the book of Acts, there's nothing that you can explain away about it. It happened just like it was recorded. And I'm thankful today that somebody brought that message to me one day and I believed it. And not only did I believe it, but I received it. And I spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Amen. My question this morning is why do we try to distort it or explain it away? Why not explore it? Why not embrace it? Why not believe it? Why not receive it? The day of Pentecost that is found in book 2 or chapter 2 of the book of Acts was the fulfillment of promise and prophecy. Jesus had ascended And the disciples were waiting. And all the years of promise, all the way back to Genesis, all the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, even Luke in his writing and John in his writing reminded us that a comforter was coming, that God was going to pour out His Spirit. Go tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued from on high. And so they obeyed him. It is interesting to note that between his resurrection and ascension, there is no mention of disciples being made. Why? Because they had come to understand that for us truly to be powerful and to fulfill his purpose in the earth, we're going to have to obey his command. And that is go to Jerusalem and wait until the promise of your father is poured out upon you. And when they went and did that in that upper room, the Bible says suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting 
and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here was the missing ingredient from their life that would turn the commonplace fishermen and the tax collector and the harlot into prophets and teachers and apostles and saints for the world to come. Those who had shrunk from cowardice and those who had given in to worldly tendencies are suddenly transformed by the fire of its blaze and in its baptism they are ignited and they are filled with a power with a power, a dynamite, hallelujah. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And in nine short words, the landscape of spiritual life was changed forever. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there was this rupture, a reservoir was broken causing the contents of the ages of prophecy and promise and type and shadow, all the Old Testament leaning toward the New Testament, testifying that there was something yet to come. And now on this day, that dam breaks and it begins to fill that room. And soon it filled Jerusalem and it wasn't long until it had filled the known world. Centuries of prophecy and centuries of promise come rumbling out of that upper room that day and those long-awaited prophecies and promises began to leap into fire and began to live in their very lives. There was a literal explosion, if you will. The spark that was struck on that morning was a a spark that would soon engulf the whole world. It was the promise that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What a tremendous equipping for life that God gives to you and I through the power of the Holy Ghost. The word dunamis that is used there for power is the word we get dynamite from. It is also the word that we get dynamo from. So when God fills you with his spirit, he does more than just cause an explosion, but he literally makes you a spiritual dynamo that can overcome and defeat and walk over all of those things that had held you back and troubled your life in that previous world. And the Bible said they were all filled. Oh God, let that happen today. Amen. Let it happen today. People staggered out of that room and they thought, ha, it's only nine in the morning, but they hit it early today. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be awesome? Some of you are getting terrified right now. I don't want anybody to see me in that condition. That's because you're still drawing from your own resources. If you ever get to the place where you start drawing from his resources, you find out that your little bucket full isn't enough 
you find out that your little bucket full isn't sufficient. But when you start drawing from his well. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. It was supernatural. They say supernatural. Yes, we agree. We admit it. We acknowledge that. Yes, it was supernatural. And this is what you have to understand about God. The Spirit of God operates in a dimension that is never reached through carnal conclusions. It is a supernatural work. When we rob Christianity of its supernatural impetus, we are destroying its vitality and its passion. And you can trace the history of the church and you can see when the darkness started coming in and that darkness overwhelmed the world of Christianity is when men started trying to distance themselves from this dynamic move of the Holy Ghost. And for ages men lived in darkness until enlightenment started coming and men started seeing that there was more in that word than what they had been told. And so they went back to the beginning. Hey folks, why don't you do away with your denominational bias and just go back to the book and read the book and see what the book says. And if the book says it, then you can have it. If it says it, you can receive it. You don't have to be afraid of it. God's never hurt anybody. And he's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. Not everybody responds the same way when the Holy Ghost is poured out in their life. There's some of you that are much more demonstrative than others. And if sometimes people are very quiet in the way they receive it for a little while. It doesn't matter. It's not in your demonstration. The evidence that they knew that they had received something is when they heard them speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And when Cornelius was understanding what God was doing and he began to receive the word that Peter preached to him, the Bible said the Holy Ghost fell on them as it did on us in the beginning. And we heard them speak with other tongues. Amen. I'm telling you today, you don't have to be afraid. It's not fanaticism and it's not emotional outburst. It is the Spirit of God moving. It's life coming. You see, here's the problem. You have been used to dipping from a well that's dead. It's waiting on something to seep into it, hoping that something will percolate through the soil and get down to that hole. And you keep going to that well and drawing out. The sad part about that is you only get enough for a little while. Then you got to come right back. But there's a well that he said, I want to introduce you to that's not going to be like a hopeful awaiting. I, I, I sure hope there's something there when I get there today. 
He said it's going to be living. It's going to be like a flowing artesian. Some of you don't even know what a well is. But an artesian well is one you don't have to pump or grind. It just cur- per- it springs up from the earth. It just forces its way out. And he said, that's what I want you to understand about my spirit. You don't have to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen because it's in the nature of my spirit to make it happen. I'm a moving God. Go back to the beginning and look at what I did. I moved on the face of the deep. I moved on the darkness and the darkness fled. I moved and something happened. And when I moved in your life, something's going to happen in your soul as well. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and praise him. Some of you think I'm a little too emotional this morning, a little too enthusiastic. Or maybe you need to understand what enthusiasm means. Enthusiasm comes from two root words, E-N and theos. E-N means I-N, that you are in something. Theos means God. So when you are enthusiastic, in the literal sense, you are in God. You are in Him. And when you get in Him, and you start exploring his riches and the fact that he's deeper than anything that man can provide, that he's deeper than any well that you can dig. Let me hurry, I gotta get on. John chapter four, let's get there real quick. Jesus said, I need to go to Samaria. Now, It was not the accustomed route. It was the shortest route to get where he wanted to go, but it was not the accustomed route because the Jews and the Samaritans had nothing to do with one another. The Jews considered the Samaritans dogs. As a matter of fact, for a Jewish man to receive a drink of water from a Samaritan woman made him unclean. That's their thinking. But Jesus said, I need to go through Samaria. I wonder what he needs to come through here for today. Because he sees what nobody else sees. He knows what nobody else knows. And he's been watching you go to that well, trying to dig enough out for the day, and you go back into your life, and before you realize it, it's all gone. And you're still thirsty, and you're still empty. And you're still frustrated. And you're still looking for that bucket that will end all buckets. And so he comes to Samaria. And there he sits down by the well and he waits. Waits for that moment of rendezvous. Because there's a woman coming out of Sychar. Now Sychar, by most that I understand, was about a half a mile, I think, away from the well. There were wells in Sychar, but this woman had left the wells in Sychar and come to the well of Jacob's well that was about a half a mile out of town. And Jesus evidently knew that. She was coming. And so he sits down, his disciples leave to go get something to eat. They're tired and weary. It's hot. It's the middle of the day, noontime. 
and uh, he's sitting there when this woman appears. And she starts to go about her normal business when he speaks to her. Well, first of all, that was disarming to her because Samaritans and Jews, they didn't even speak to one another. Jews did not speak to Samaritans and especially a Samaritan woman. And so for him to speak to her caught her off guard. And he said, I need you to give me a drink. You know, it's amazing how God has to work to get into our life. But he does it. And so he asked this question and, and the woman said, well, how, how is it that you ask a drink of me? I'm a Samaritan woman. What, what is it that you would ask of me? And, and that's when he went into that next statement. And it's such a powerful statement. If you knew the gift of God, if you knew what I was here for, if you knew why I came this way, you would have asked me. You would have inquired of me, give me drink that, thou, that, that, that you would give me drink and I would have given you living water. Well, this caught her off guard because she knew that the well he was sitting beside was not considered living water to the Samaritan or the Jew. It was like a, 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 a tank that just water filtered into it and there people found their substance. But Jesus is talking about a flowing. Where's that flowing river at? Where is that flowing river gonna come from? And the woman said, I, I, I don't understand what you're saying. I, I, I need a solution to my life, but I don't know exactly what it is that you're getting at. Now, I thought it interesting, and I've heard a lot of people preach about this, and, and I'll, just a side note. Half a mile out, and it's noon. Noon was not the time to come for water. Morning, early morning was the time to come for water. But you know the story, I'm sure most of you do, that she was a woman who evidently had pretty sketchy background. She'd been married five times and was living with a sixth man. So it's very possible the reason she was coming outside the city was to get away from the scorn of other women who would come to the well and they would look at her as being dirty and tainted. But Jesus isn't afraid to talk to the dirty and the tainted because he has something better to offer you than the dirt and the taint. he got something better to give you than all the smudge that's on your life. And so she's out here and then somebody said, well... The reason that she came was because she needed water for her household. But that's not true. Because if you read down to what she herself said, the first need that she mentioned was her own thirst. Her needs for the household were secondary. But when your own life is parched and your own life is empty and religion hasn't given it to you and all the things that people tell you that can't happen have not supplied you and you sit feeling empty like you're missing out on something, the real reason that we come to church today is not so we can see one another, but because there is a thirst in my soul. I need something from him 
that will quench my thirst and satisfy my longing. And she needed a solution to her problem. Amen. She was offering him a door into her life and she could not grasp it. Jesus went on to tell her, whosoever drink of this water shall thirst again. He makes a distinction between this water and what I'm going to give. This water and my water. My well is going to be a living well that's going to spring up. And she responded to that. Sir, give me this water that I thirst not and that I don't have to come back to this well. That I thirst not and I don't have to come back to this well. And then there's more conversation. The disciples return. And then the Bible says she left her water pot. I think that is such a significant gesture because the woman left the small limited conveyance that she had for an unlimited supply. It was a limited supply that she could get on her own. But he said, I want to invite you into my world where there is an unlimited supply that you will never run dry. It will never run out. It will never get old. It will never grow stale. But it's as fresh today as it was the first day that you drank from that well. Ha, Sister Gage, can I ask you today, does the taste of that water today taste as good as it did that first time years ago when you drank for the first time? Sister Casey, does the taste of that water today taste as good today as it did the first time you drank it? That's the living water. It never gets old. It never grows stale. It never is common. And God is wanting somebody in this building today to exchange your limited to his unlimited. Amen. Your thirst can only truly be quenched when you indulge yourself with the blessings of his provision. Little did the woman know as she approached the well that day with her problems, with her troubles, with her distress. I mean, she's a tainted woman. She's got a history and a record. Little did she realize that she was going to be able to exchange a water pot, a cup, a bowl, a small portion for an unlimited portion of God's provision. And somebody here today needs to understand me. God wants to do the same thing for you. God wants some of you to leave your limited understanding, your limited reach, your limited knowledge. God wants you to leave your bucket, your water pot, your whatever cup. This is not a time for cups this is a time for wells. This is a time for the deep to flow and the Spirit of God to be manifest in this place. The New Testament experience that God wants you and I to have is not a limited supply, but it is an unlimited source of grace and mercy. God doesn't want you to experience just a 
pot full or a bucket full of his blessing. He wants to just pour out. I love that term, pour out. It means that he empties out. You know, there's a difference between pouring and emptying. When you're pouring, you can limit the supply. But when you empty, you don't hold anything back. Now, here's my question. If God wouldn't hold anything back from us, why would we hold anything back from him? If God's wanting to exchange your limited understanding, your limited experience with an unlimited, unbounding power that can transform your life, why don't you leave your cup today and take a well home with you? Hallelujah. Here's the great thing. He said the well shall be in you. This is what's so great about Pentecost. Pentecost is not about what happens here. Pentecost is what happens here that goes out that door with me because it is in me. A well that springs up into everlasting life. And that's what God has given to every one of us. Now, you want to know why I dance today? You want to know why I rejoice today? Because a long time ago, I brought my limited package to him and I said, God, this is not enough for life. This is not enough to meet the demands of life. I need something greater. And he said, I'm glad you asked because I've got it to give. Amen. Stand with me right now. Hallelujah. I'm not here to appeal to your intellectualism. I'm here to appeal to your thirst this morning. Are there any thirsty people in this building? If life has not satisfied you, then you can come and drink from a well that will not run dry. Ah, yes. If you're frustrated today and you're tired of living on empty, that's what a bucket full is. That's just... You know, it's like pulling in to a gas station on empty and getting about $2 worth. It's just going to get you enough to the next place. Why not go ahead and fill up? I'm going to tell some of you this. I don't want to hurt your feelings and offend you, but there's some of you been coming around here for a while. And you've been getting just enough to get you through. You, you kind of like put your toe in. You're not sure. You like the feel of it. God said, hey, it's time for you to get in and swim. It's time for you to quit living from bucket full to bucket full. Service to service. Amen. It's time for you to realize that I, I can put a well, I can cause a well to spring up within you. And John 7 is where he told us that it was the Holy Ghost that he was talking about. This well that he was going to cause to spring up, it was going to be the Holy Ghost. So if you're here today and you need a well to spring up, to replace that bucket full that you came with. It's for you today. 
It's here this morning. Right now. He's going to pour it out. He's going to dump the bucket. He's going he's to turn it up and empty it. Why? Because it's not just a limited portion that he wants to give you. He wants to pour out an abundance of his spirit. If you're in this building today and you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidence by speaking with tongue, that is your experience today. If you are here today and it's been a long time since you have been renewed in the spirit, God wants that well to spring up again inside of you. Hallelujah. You don't have to be afraid of it and you don't have to doubt it. All you need to do is just say, God, I'm tired of bringing my little bucket full and only getting by so long when there is an endless supply that I can tap into today and I can have abundant life. I can have overflowing life. I can have that reservoir in my life. Is there any thirsty soul here today? Come on, if you're thirsty, come on. Open up the thirsty. window. Come on, thirsty. Open up the floodgate. I'm thirsty for more. I'm thirsty for something greater. Come on, that's right, thirsty people.